0: Chapter One, Part One, of the Influence of Sea Power upon History, sixteen sixty to seventeen eighty three, by Alfred Thayer Mahan. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter One: Discussion of the Elements of Sea Power the first and most obvious light in which the sea presents itself from the political and social point of view is that of a great highway or better perhaps of a wide common over which men may pass in all directions but on which some well-worn paths show that controlling reasons have led them to choose certain lines of travel rather than others these lines of travel are called trade routes and the reasons which have determined them are to be sought in the history of the world notwithstanding all the familiar and unfamiliar dangers of the sea both travel and traffic by water have always been easier and cheaper than by land the commercial greatness of holland was due not only to her shipping at sea but also to the numerous tranquil waterways which gave such cheap and easy access to her own interior and to that of germany this advantage of carriage by water over that by land was yet more marked in a period when roads were few and very bad wars frequent and society unsettled as was the case two hundred years ago sea traffic then went in peril of robbers but was nevertheless safer and quicker than that by land a dutch writer of that time estimating the chances of his country in a war with england notices among other things that the waterways of england failed to penetrate the country sufficiently therefore the roads being bad goods from one part of the kingdom to the other must go by sea and be exposed to capture by the way as regards purely internal trade this danger has generally disappeared at the present day in most civilized countries now the destruction or disappearance of the coasting trade would only be an inconvenience although water transit is still the cheaper nevertheless as late as the wars of the french republic and the first empire those who are familiar with the history of the period and the light naval literature that has grown up around it know how constant is the mention of convoys stealing from point to point along the french coast although the sea swarmed with english cruisers and there were good inland roads under modern conditions however home trade is but a part of the business of a country bordering on the sea foreign necessaries or luxuries must be brought to its ports either in its own or in foreign ships which will return bearing in exchange the products of the country whether they be the fruits of the earth or the works of men's hands and it is the wish of every nation that this shipping business should be done by its own vessels the ships that thus sail to and fro must have secure ports to which to return and must as far as possible be followed by the protection of their country throughout the voyage this protection in time of war must be extended by armed shipping the necessity of a navy in the restricted sense of the word springs therefore from the existence of a peaceful shipping and disappears with it except in the case of a nation which has aggressive tendencies and keeps up a navy merely as a branch of the military establishment as the united states has at present no aggressive purposes and as its merchant service has disappeared the dwindling of the armed fleet and general lack of interest in it are strictly logical consequences when for any reason sea-trade is again found to pay a large enough shipping interest will reappear to compel the revival of the war-fleet it is possible that when a canal route through the central american isthmus is seen to be a near certainty the aggressive impulse may be strong enough to lead to the same result this is doubtful however because a peaceful gain-loving nation is not far-sighted and far-sightedness is needed for adequate military preparation especially in these days as a nation with its unarmed and armed shipping launches forth from its own shores the need is soon felt of points upon which the ships can rely for peaceful trading for refuge and supplies in the present day friendly though foreign ports are to be found all over the world and their shelter is enough while peace prevails it was not always so nor does peace always endure though the united states have been favored by so long a continuance of it in earlier times the merchant seaman seeking for trade in new and unexplored regions made his gains at risk of life and liberty from suspicious or hostile nations and was under great delays in collecting a full and profitable freight he therefore intuitively sought at the far end of his trade route one or more stations to be given to him by force or favor where he could fix himself or his agents in reasonable security where his ships could lie in safety and where the merchantable products of the land could be continually collecting awaiting the arrival of the home fleet which should carry them to the mother country as there was immense gain as well as much risk in these early voyages such establishments naturally multiplied and grew until they became colonies whose ultimate development and success depended upon the genius and policy of the nation from which they sprang and form a very great part of the history and particularly of the sea-history of the world all colonies had not the simple and natural birth and growth above described many were more formal and purely political in their conception and founding the act of the rulers of the people rather than of private individuals but the trading station with its after expansion the work simply of the adventurer seeking gain was in its reasons and essence the same as the elaborately organized and chartered colony in both cases the mother country had won a foothold in a foreign land seeking a new outlet for what it had to sell a new sphere for its shipping more employment for its people more comfort and wealth for itself the needs of commerce however were not all provided for when safety had been secured at the far end of the road the voyages were long and dangerous the seas often beset with enemies in the most active days of colonizing there prevailed on the sea a lawlessness the very memory of which is now almost lost and the days of settled peace between maritime nations were few and far between thus arose the demand for stations along the road like the cape of good hope st helena and mauritius not primarily for trade but for defence and war the demand for the possession of posts like gibraltar malta Louisburg at the entrance of the gulf of st lawrence posts whose value was chiefly strategic though not necessarily wholly so colonies and colonial posts were sometimes commercial sometimes military in their character and it was exceptional that the same position was equally important in both points of view as new york was in these three things production with the necessity of exchanging products shipping whereby the exchange is carried on and colonies which facilitate and enlarge the operations of shipping and tend to protect it by multiplying points of safety is to be found the key to much of the history as well as of the policy of nations bordering upon the sea the policy has varied both with the spirit of the age and with the character and clear-sightedness of the rulers but the history of the seaboard nations has been less determined by the shrewdness and foresight of governments than by conditions of position extent configuration number and character of their people by what are called in a word natural conditions it must however be admitted and will be seen that the wise or unwise action of individual men has at certain periods had a great modifying influence upon the growth of sea power in the broad sense which includes not only the military strength afloat that rules the sea or any part of it by force of arms but also the peaceful commerce and shipping from which alone a military fleet naturally and healthfully springs and on which it securely rests the principal conditions affecting the sea power of nations may be enumerated as follows one geographical position two physical conformation including as connected therewith natural productions and climate three extent of territory four number of population five character of the people six character of the government including therein the national institutions one geographical position it may be pointed out in the first place that if a nation be so situated that it is neither forced to defend itself by land nor induced to seek extension of its territory by way of the land it has by the very unity of its aim directed upon the sea an advantage as compared with a people one of whose boundaries is continental this has been a great advantage to england over both france and holland as a sea power the strength of the latter was early exhausted by the necessity of keeping up a large army and carrying on expensive wars to preserve her independence while the policy of france was constantly diverted sometimes wisely and sometimes most foolishly from the sea to projects of continental extension these military efforts expended wealth whereas a wiser and consistent use of her geographical position would have added to it the geographical position may be such as of itself to promote a concentration or to necessitate a dispersion of the naval forces here again the british islands have an advantage over france the position of the latter touching the mediterranean as well as the ocean while it has its advantages is on the whole a source of military weakness at sea the eastern and western french fleets have only been able to unite after passing through the straits of gibraltar in attempting which they have often risked and sometimes suffered loss the position of the united states upon the two oceans would be either a source of great weakness or a cause of enormous expense had it a large sea commerce on both coasts england by her immense colonial empire has sacrificed much of this advantage of concentration of force around her own shores but the sacrifice was wisely made for the gain was greater than the loss as the event proved with the growth of her colonial system her war fleets also grew but her merchant shipping and wealth grew yet faster still in the wars of the american revolution and of the french republican empire to use the strong expression of a french author england despite the immense development of her navy seemed ever in the midst of riches to feel all the embarrassment of poverty the might of england was sufficient to keep alive the heart and the members whereas the equally extensive colonial empire of spain through her maritime weakness but offered so many points for insult and injury the geographical position of a country may not only favor the concentration of its forces but give the further strategic advantage of a central position and a good base for hostile operations against its probable enemies this again is the case with england on the one hand she faces holland and the northern powers on the other france and the atlantic when threatened with a coalition between france and the naval powers of the north sea and the baltic as she at times was her fleets in the downs and in the channel and even that off brest occupied interior positions and thus were readily able to interpose their united force against either one of the enemies which should seek to pass through the channel to effect a junction with its ally on either side also nature gave her better ports and a safer coast to approach formerly this was a very serious element in the passage through the channel but of late steam and the improvement of her harbors have lessened the disadvantage under which france once labored in the days of sailing ships the english fleet operated against brest making its base at torbay and plymouth the plan was simply this in easterly or moderate weather the blockading fleet kept its position without difficulty but in westerly gales when too severe they bore up for english ports knowing that the french fleet could not get out till the wind shifted which equally served to bring them back to their station the advantage of geographical nearness to an enemy or to the object of attack is nowhere more apparent than in that form of warfare which has lately received the name of commerce destroying which the french call guerre de cource this operation of war being directed against peaceful merchant vessels which are usually defenceless calls for ships of small military force such ships having little power to defend themselves need a refuge or point of support near at hand which will be found either in certain parts of the sea controlled by the fighting ships of their country or in friendly harbors the latter give the strongest support because they are always in the same place and the approaches to them are more familiar to the commerce destroyer than to his enemy the nearness of france to england has thus greatly facilitated her guerre de cours directed against the latter having ports on the north sea on the channel and on the atlantic her cruisers started from points near the focus of english trade both coming and going the distance of these ports from each other disadvantageous for regular military combinations is an advantage for this irregular secondary operation for the essence of the one is concentration of effort whereas for commerce destroying diffusion of effort is the rule commerce destroyers scatter that they may see and seize more prey these truths receive illustration from the history of the great french privateers whose bases and scenes of action were largely on the channel and north sea or else were found in distant colonial regions where islands like guadeloupe and martinique afforded similar near refuge the necessity of renewing coal makes the cruiser of the present day even more dependent than of old on his port public opinion in the united states has great faith in war directed against an enemy's commerce but it must be remembered that the republic has no ports very near the great centers of trade abroad her geographical position is therefore singularly disadvantageous for carrying on successful commerce destroying unless she finds bases in the ports of an ally if in addition to facility for offence nature has so placed a country that it has easy access to the high sea itself while at the same time it controls one of the great thoroughfares of the world's traffic it is evident that the strategic value of its position is very high such again is and to a greater degree was the position of england the trade of holland sweden russia denmark and that which went up the great rivers to the interior of germany had to pass through the channel close by her doors for sailing ships hugged the english coast this northern trade had moreover a peculiar bearing upon sea power for naval stores as they are commonly called were mainly drawn from the baltic countries but for the loss of gibraltar the position of spain would have been closely analogous to that of england looking at once upon the atlantic and the mediterranean with cadiz on the one side and cartagena on the other the trade to the levant must have passed under her hands and that round the cape of good hope not far from her doors but gibraltar not only deprived her of the control of the straits it also imposed an obstacle to the easy junction of the two divisions of her fleet at the present day looking only at the geographical position of italy and not at the other conditions affecting her sea power it would seem that with her extensive sea-coast and good ports she is very well placed for exerting a decisive influence on the trade route to the levant and by the isthmus of suez this is true in a degree and would be much more so did italy now hold all the islands naturally italian but with malta in the hands of england and corsica in those of france the advantages of her geographical position are largely neutralized from race affinities and situation those two islands are as legitimately objects of desire to italy as gibraltar is to spain if the adriatic were a great highway of commerce italy's position would be still more influential these defects in her geographical completeness combined with other causes injurious to a full and secure development of sea power make it more than doubtful whether italy can for some time be in the front rank among the sea nations as the aim here is not an exhaustive discussion but merely an attempt to show by illustration how vitally the situation of a country may affect its career upon the sea this division of the subject may be dismissed for the present the more so as instances which will further bring out its importance will continually recur in the historical treatment two remarks however are here appropriate circumstances have caused the mediterranean sea to play a greater part in the history of the world both in a commercial and a military point of view than any other sheet of water of the same size nation after nation has striven to control it and the strife still goes on therefore a study of the conditions upon which preponderance in its waters has rested and now rests and of the relative military values of different points upon its coasts will be more instructive than the same amount of effort expended in another field furthermore it has at the present time a very marked analogy in many respects to the caribbean sea an analogy which will be still closer if a panama canal route ever be completed a study of the strategic conditions of the mediterranean which have received ample illustration will be an excellent prelude to a similar study of the caribbean which has comparatively little history the second remark bears upon the geographical position of the united states relatively to a central american canal if one be made and fulfill the hopes of its builders the caribbean will be changed from a terminus and place of local traffic or at best a broken and imperfect line of travel as it now is into one of the great highways of the world along this path the great commerce will travel bringing the interests of the other great nations the european nations close along our shores as they have never been before with this it will not be so easy as heretofore to stand aloof from international complications the position of the united states with reference to this route will resemble that of england to the channel and of the mediterranean countries to the suez route as regards influence and control over it depending upon geographical position it is of course plain that the centre of the national power the permanent base is much nearer than that of other great nations the positions now or hereafter occupied by them on island or mainland however strong will be but outposts of their power while in all the raw materials of military strength no nation is superior to the united states she is however weak in a confessed unpreparedness for war and her geographical nearness to the point of contention loses some of its value by the character of the gulf coast which is deficient in ports combining security from an enemy with facility for repairing warships of the first class without which ships no country can pretend to control any part of the sea in case of a contest for supremacy in the caribbean it seems evident from the depth of the south pass of the mississippi the nearness of new orleans and the advantages of the mississippi valley for water transit that the main effort of the country must pour down that valley and its permanent base of operations be found there the defense of the entrance to the mississippi however presents peculiar difficulties while the only two rival ports key west and pensacola have too little depth of water and are much less advantageously placed with reference to the resources of the country to get the full benefit of superior geographical position these defects must be overcome furthermore as her distance from the isthmus though relatively less is still considerable the united states will have to obtain in the caribbean stations fit for contingent or secondary bases of operations which by their natural advantages susceptibility of defense and nearness to the central strategic issue will enable her fleets to remain as near the scene as any opponent with ingress and egress from the mississippi sufficiently protected with such outposts in her hands and with the communications between them and the home base secured in short with proper military preparation for which she has all necessary means the preponderance of the united states on this field follows from her geographical position and her power with mathematical certainty two physical confirmation the peculiar features of the gulf coast just alluded to come properly under the head of physical conformation of a country which is placed second for discussion among the conditions which affect the development of sea power the seaboard of a country is one of its frontiers and the easier the access offered by the frontier to the region beyond in this case the sea the greater will be the tendency of a people toward intercourse with the rest of the world by it if a country be imagined having a long seaboard but entirely without a harbor such a country can have no sea trade of its own no shipping no navy this was practically the case with belgium when it was a spanish and an austrian province the dutch in sixteen forty eight as a condition of peace after a successful war exacted that the scheldt should be closed to sea commerce this closed the harbor of antwerp and transferred the sea trade of belgium to holland the spanish netherlands ceased to be a sea power numerous and deep harbors are a source of strength and wealth and doubly so if they are the outlets of navigable streams which facilitate the concentration in them of a country's internal trade but by their very accessibility they become a source of weakness in war if not properly defended the dutch in sixteen sixty seven found little difficulty in ascending the thames and burning a large fraction of the english navy within sight of london whereas a few years later the combined fleets of england and france when attempting a landing in holland were foiled by the difficulties of the coast as much as by the valor of the dutch fleet in seventeen seventy eight the harbor of new york and with it undisputed control of the hudson river would have been lost to the english who were caught at disadvantage but for the hesitancy of the french admiral with that control new england would have been restored to close and safe communication with new york new jersey and pennsylvania and this blow following so closely on burgoyne's disaster of the year before would probably have led the english to make an earlier peace the mississippi is a mighty source of wealth and strength to the united states but the feeble defenses of its mouth and the number of its subsidiary streams penetrating the country made it a weakness and a source of disaster to the southern confederacy and lastly in eighteen fourteen the occupation of the chesapeake and the destruction of washington gave a sharp lesson of the dangers incurred through the noblest waterways if their approaches be undefended a lesson recent enough to be easily recalled but which from the present appearance of the coast defenses seems to be yet more easily forgotten nor should it be thought that conditions have changed circumstances and details of offense and defense have been modified in these days as before but the great conditions remain the same before and during the great napoleonic wars france had no port for ships of the line east of brest how great the advantage to england which in the same stretch has two great arsenals at plymouth and at portsmouth besides other harbors of refuge and supply this defect of conformation has since been remedied by the works at cherbourg besides the contour of the coast involving easy access to the sea there are other physical conditions which lead people to the sea or turn them from it although france was deficient in military ports on the channel she had both there and on the ocean as well as in the mediterranean excellent harbors favorably situated for trade abroad and at the outlet of large rivers which would foster internal traffic but when richelieu had put an end to civil war frenchmen did not take to the sea with the eagerness and success of the english and dutch a principal reason for this has been plausibly found in the physical conditions which have made france a pleasant land with a delightful climate producing within itself more than its people needed england on the other hand received from nature but little and until her manufactures were developed had little to export their many wants combined with their restless activity and other conditions that favored maritime enterprise led her people abroad and they there found lands more pleasant and richer than their own their needs and genius made them merchants and colonists then manufacturers and producers and between products and colonies shipping is the inevitable link so their sea power grew but if england was drawn to the sea holland was driven to it without the sea england languished but holland died in the height of her greatness when she was one of the chief factors in european politics a competent native authority estimated that the soil of holland could not support more than one-eighth of her inhabitants the manufactures of the country were then numerous and important but they had been much later in their growth than the shipping interest the poverty of the soil and the exposed nature of the coast drove the dutch first to fishing then the discovery of the process of curing the fish gave them material for export as well as home consumption and so laid the cornerstone of their wealth thus they had become traders at the time that the italian republics under the pressure of turkish power and the discovery of the passage round the cape of good hope were beginning to decline and they fell heirs to the great italian trade of the levant further favored by their geographical position intermediate between the baltic france and the mediterranean and at the mouth of the german rivers they quickly absorbed nearly all the carrying trade of europe the wheat and naval stores of the baltic the trade of spain with her colonies in the new world the wines of france and the french coasting trade were little more than two hundred years ago transported in dutch shipping much of the carrying trade of england even was then done in dutch bottoms it will not be pretended that all this prosperity proceeded only from the poverty of holland's natural resources something does not grow from nothing what is true is that by the necessitous condition of her people they were driven to the sea and were from their mastery of the shipping business and the size of their fleets in a position to profit by the sudden expansion of commerce and the spirit of exploration which followed on the discovery of america and of the passage round the cape other causes concurred but their whole prosperity stood on the sea power to which their poverty gave birth their food their clothing the raw material for their manufactures the very timber and hemp with which they built and rigged their ships and they built nearly as many as all europe besides were imported and when a disastrous war with england in sixteen fifty three and sixteen fifty four had lasted eighteen months and their shipping business was stopped it is said the sources of revenue which had always maintained the riches of the state such as fisheries and commerce were almost dry workshops were closed work was suspended the Zee became a forest of masts the country was full of beggars grass grew in the streets and in amsterdam fifteen hundred houses were untenanted a humiliating peace alone saved them from ruin this sorrowful result shows the weakness of a country depending wholly upon sources external to itself for the part it is playing in the world with large deductions owing to differences of conditions which need not here be spoken of the case of holland then has strong points of resemblance to that of great britain now and they are true prophets though they seem to be having small honour in their own country who warn her that the continuance of her prosperity at home depends primarily upon maintaining her power abroad men may be discontented at the lack of political privilege they will be yet more uneasy if they come to lack bread. it is of more interest to americans to note that the result to france regarded as a power of the sea caused by the extent delightfulness and richness of the land has been reproduced in the united states in the beginning their forefathers held a narrow strip of land upon the sea fertile in parts though little developed abounding in harbors and near rich fishing-grounds these physical conditions combined with an inborn love of the sea the pulse of that english blood which still beat in their veins to keep alive all those tendencies and pursuits upon which a healthy sea power depends almost every one of the original colonies was on the sea or on one of its great tributaries all export and import tended toward one coast interest in the sea and an intelligent appreciation of the part it played in the public welfare were easily and widely spread and a motive more influential than care for the public interest was also active for the abundance of shipbuilding materials and a relative fewness of other investments made shipping a profitable private interest how changed the present condition is all know the centre of power is no longer on the seaboard books and newspapers vie with one another in describing the wonderful growth and the still undeveloped riches of the interior capital there finds its best investments labor its largest opportunities the frontiers are neglected and politically weak the gulf and pacific coasts actually so the atlantic coast relatively to the central mississippi valley when the day comes that shipping again pays when the three sea frontiers find that they are not only militarily weak but poorer for lack of national shipping their united efforts may avail to lay again the foundations of our sea power Till then those who follow the limitations which lack of sea power placed upon the career of France may mourn that their own country is being led by a like redundancy of home wealth into the same neglect of that great instrument among modifying physical conditions may be noted a form like that of Italy a long peninsula with a central range of mountains dividing it into two narrow strips along which the roads connecting the different ports necessarily run only an absolute control of the sea can wholly secure such communication since it is impossible to know at what point an enemy coming from beyond the visible horizon may strike but still with an adequate naval force centrally posted there will be good hope of attacking his fleet which is at once his base and line of communications before serious damage has been done the long narrow peninsula of florida with key west at its extremity though flat and thinly populated presents at first sight conditions like those of italy the resemblance may be only superficial but it seems probable that if the chief scene of a naval war were the gulf of mexico the communications by land to the end of the peninsula might be a matter of consequence and open to attack when the sea not only borders or surrounds but also separates a country into two or more parts the control of it becomes not only desirable but vitally necessary such a physical condition either gives birth and strength to sea power or makes the country powerless such is the condition of the present kingdom of italy with its islands of sardinia and sicily and hence in its youth and still existing financial weakness it is seen to put forth such vigorous and intelligent efforts to create a military navy it has even been argued that with a navy decidedly superior to her enemies italy could better base her power upon her islands than upon her mainland for the insecurity of the lines of communication in the peninsula already pointed out would most seriously embarrass an invading army surrounded by a hostile people and threatened from the sea the irish sea separating the british islands rather resembles an estuary than an actual division but history has shown the danger from it to the united kingdom in the days of louis the fourteenth when the french navy nearly equalled the combined english and dutch the gravest complications existed in ireland which passed almost wholly under the control of the natives and the french nevertheless the irish sea was rather a danger to the english a weak point in their communications than an advantage to the french the latter did not venture their ships of the line in its narrow waters and expeditions intending to land were directed upon the ocean ports in the south and west at the supreme moment the great french fleet was sent upon the south coast of england where it decisively defeated the allies and at the same time twenty-five frigates were sent to st george's channel against the english communications in the midst of a hostile people the english army in ireland was seriously imperilled but was saved by the battle of the boyne and the flight of james the second this movement against the enemy's communications was strictly tr- strategic and would be just as dangerous to england now as in sixteen ninety spain in the same century afforded an impressive lesson of the weakness caused by such separation when the parts are not knit together by a strong sea power she then still retained as remnants of her past greatness the netherlands now belgium sicily and other italian possessions not to speak of her vast colonies in the new world yet so low had the spanish sea power fallen that a well-informed and sober-minded hollander of the day could claim that in spain all the coast is navigated by a few dutch ships and since the peace of sixteen forty eight their ships and seamen are so few that they have publicly begun to hire our ships to sail to the indies whereas they were formerly careful to exclude all foreigners from there it is manifest he goes on that the west indies being as the stomach to spain for from it nearly all the revenue is drawn must be joined to the spanish head by a sea force and that naples and the netherlands being like two arms they cannot lay out their strength for spain nor receive anything thence but by shipping all which may easily be done by our shipping in peace and by it obstructed in war half a century before sully the great minister of henry the fourth had characterized spain as one of those states whose legs and arms are strong and powerful but the heart infinitely weak and feeble since his day the spanish navy has suffered not only disaster but annihilation not only humiliation but degradation the consequences briefly were that shipping was destroyed manufactures perished with it the government depended for its support not upon a widespread healthy commerce and industry that could survive many a staggering blow but upon a narrow stream of silver trickling through a few treasure-ships from america easily and frequently intercepted by an enemy's cruisers the loss of half a dozen galleons more than once paralyzed its movements for a year while the war in the netherlands lasted the dutch control of the sea forced spain to send her troops by a long and costly journey overland instead of by sea and the same cause reduced her to such straits for necessaries that by a mutual arrangement which seems very odd to modern ideas her wants were supplied by dutch ships which thus maintained the enemies of their country but received in return specie which was welcome in the amsterdam exchange in america the spanish protected themselves as best they might behind masonry unaided from home while in the mediterranean they escaped insult and injury mainly through the indifference of the dutch for the french and english had not yet begun to contend for mastery there in the course of history the netherlands naples sicily minorca havana manila and jamaica were wrenched away at one time or another from this empire without a shipping in short while spain's maritime impotence may have been primarily a symptom of her general decay it became a marked factor in precipitating her into the abyss from which she has not yet wholly emerged except alaska the united states has no outlying possession no foot of ground inaccessible by land its contour is such as to present few points specially weak from their saliency and all important parts of the frontiers can be readily attained cheaply by water rapidly by rail the weakest frontier the pacific is far removed from the most dangerous of possible enemies the internal resources are boundless as compared with present needs we can live off ourselves indefinitely in our little corner to use the expression of a french officer to the author yet should that little corner be invaded by a new commercial route through the isthmus the united states in her turn may have the rude awakening of those who have abandoned their share in the common birthright of all people the sea End of chapter 1, part 1